Rochester Today with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning and welcome to another Rochester Today program with T.O. Tom Ostrom. Hey, good morning, Tom. Morning, Andrew. So I hope everything's well with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. You too? Yeah, pretty good. Things have been going away. All right. Enough well, of the pleasantries, huh? Yeah, yeah. Are you have you got one? Let's see. I'm looking at your light blue shirt. Is that one of those fishing shirts again? Uh yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. That's my fashion, professional fishing gear. That doesn't no, say much for good. me, does it? <laughs> well, enough. Enough pleasantries, Tom. Let's get to that mailbag. Okay. Uh, this rank shows Joe Biden bragging about himself and pointing to an oil storage tank. And he's saying, I opened the pipeline, China pipeline, the Xi pipeline. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then Branco again. Uh, it's the 4th of July. Uh, and uh, the husband's looking at the newspaper, and he says, oh, wow, fireworks. Boy, we can really hear them loud this year. That's crazy. And his wife's looking at the window and the front window and bullet holes coming through. <laughs> I actually saw that one. That was uh, yeah, unfortunately a little yeah, too accurate. That's Minneapolis. That's Minneapolis for Branco. He likes to pick on Minnesota for some reason. And then the Babylon B satire, Biden talking, the leader of the free world, the Babylon B says, he issued uh, an apology to the American people for his blunder. And he said, as president, the box stops with me. Earlier, I read the wrong words in the teleprompter. Don't say ah. telecommuter or helicopter. I apologize for my latest teleprompter gaffe. End apology here. Sit down. <laughs> <laughs> and at publishing time, Biden's press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, had responded to questions about his capacity to serve as president. And, and her answer was, I'm a black gay immigrant woman. <laughs> so, so leave me alone. This from Wayne. Uh, he enjoyed our electric bus conversation and your article about it, Andrew. And he said, Rochester Public Utilities purchases a significant amount of energy uh, and electricity from coal-fired power plants. When Rochester recharges an electric bus, this is not zero emissions. Rochester's compressed natural gas buses are cleaner. Only water comes out of those tailpipes. A friend of mine and his wife in Rocha drive a Honda Civic powered by compressed natural gas. They love the car. It's cheaper than a Telsa. So you got them thinking about these things, Andrew. Yeah, the uh, problem with the compressed natural gas is the infrastructure doesn't exist for it. Average consumer has a hard time filling up the tank and I, I don't believe the range is all that great for those vehicles yet but he's right about the emissions there is 
there is a little bit of hydrocarbon emission, but it is a trace of it compared to the internal combustion engine uh, burning gasoline. Where, where, do people, where do people charge up with CNG in Rochester? I have not a clue. That's part of the deal. Uh, I have absolutely no idea uh, where you could obtain it or how, mm. how that works. Mm. Uh, they have, you know, hydrogen is also a viable alternative. But then the infrastructure for for hydrogen isn't there either. And hydrogen is cleaner burning than compressed natural gas. And there are many who would like to create a nationwide network of hydrogen stations, to use the term, uh, that would be powered by either wind or solar energy because you need the electricity to um, efficiently create the hydrogen, separate H2O uh, and create hydrogen for people to use in the vehicles. But there are vehicles on the road that burn hydrogen. Not a lot. Hydrogen doesn't have the BTU content of gasoline. Um, so your performance may be lacking. But overall, it is it is one of those alternatives out there that is still being pursued. Is CNG and hydrogen uh, in danger of, of combusting? Sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. Uh Hydrogen, that's one thing with gasoline. Whereas gasoline is volatile, it is relatively stable. As in, it won't evaporate immediately. And so the ignition level is, I don't know what you term it, moderate? So if you had a ruptured gas tank, the gasoline would flow all over the, the ground unless it came into contact with an ignition source. It's not going to catch on fire. Uh, a release of hydrogen would create a very, very uh, explosive environment and the release of compressed natural gas, the same thing. That's another issue with this. The engineering of the vehicle for safety is more expensive because of it. Boy, we're going down the road to complex transportation Andrew. issues. I don't have all the answers. I'm actually fairly well read on this stuff and not super well read. Well, you were very well read and answered my questions wonderfully. And uh, uh, I'll stick with the fuels nowadays. Uh, well, <laughs> we'll see uh, what happens. Gasoline isn't obviously the perfect fuel. It, it's messy. Uh, it takes quite a bit of oil to uh, distillate down to a gallon of gasoline. Uh, it does produce a lot of hydrocarbons uh, and ozone disruption. It, it, and I do think down the road it is not going to be the answer. Whether or not electric is the only answer is still up for debate. Um, but electric seems to be making the fastest strides because it gets a lot of government subsidies. Uh, the government subsidies for some of these other alternatives, not so much. Even though, if you ask me, if you could make hydrogen work, it would be the ultimate. Because hydrogen, all it takes is water and some electricity in order to uh, produce. And if you were able to find a way to produce it on a reliable fashion, nukes maybe, nuclear power, um, or even massive wind or solar operations out in the southwest, I don't know. We're getting way ahead of ourselves because those things don't exist at this point. Uh, and well, and green energy works right now only if it is subsidized. So heavily subsidized. We'll yeah. Well, that's uh, that's it for me. Okay. I, I and ultimately, I think the question that you're asking here, Tom, you know, what 
what will our transportation future look like? Uh, it is certainly being influenced by the government uh, through tax incentives and other subsidies, but it'll be decided by the marketplace. Yeah, sure. They can produce a vehicle that is reliable in all sorts of conditions, um, comfortable for the passenger, affordable for the people who purchase it, and easy to use. It'll probably went out in the marketplace, but right now, if you know, ignoring the environmental costs of manufacturing electric cars, the the batteries themselves, the materials needed for the batteries, uh, seems. I don't know, foolhardy to me. Uh, if you, just to say, well, okay, we're just going to ignore that aspect of it and pretend that this is somehow an environmentally neutral way to have transportation so you feel good about yourself. You're not being honest with yourself. To, to produce those batteries is uh, is quite intensive and environmentally harmful. Now, gasoline, burning sure, gasoline, sure. is also environmentally harmful. Sure it is, and it, and it requires traditional power sources right now. So It does. Yeah. And uh, right now, the only reliable power sources are those that involve either fossil fuels or nuclear energy. The other ones, sure, maybe down the road they will be, but right now they're not. And natural gas is pretty clean and nuclear energy is clean. I don't know why the greenies are against nuclear energy unless they're uh, afraid of uh, an explosion or something. And that is the great debate. Um, you have three examples of significant accidents involving nuclear energy since its adoption following World War II. Chernobyl, Three Mile Island, and Fukushima in Japan as a result of the tsunami. Mm-hmm. In Japan, um, yeah. Three Mile Island ended up being a relatively benign event overall. I'm not saying it wasn't bad. There was a potential it had been very, very bad. Fukushima was a disaster and continues to be a disaster. And Chernobyl uh, was a disaster and continues to be a disaster. But there are new technologies available that make fission power much safer than it was when those reactors were were built. If I remember, the Ukraine had a nuclear power plant that the Russian... uh, uh, close to shelling and that people had taken refuge in. <laughs> I don't know what the story is on that one yet. I don't no, know still. Well, we better uh, take a break and move on to another topic. How's that? <laughs> we'll do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, Was that it for the mailbag before we do that, Tom? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh-huh. We'll take our break. We'll return. Tom Ostrom is here. I'm Andy Brownell. It's Rochester Today on Newstock 1340. KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Introducing the 2022 Rochester Day with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning and welcome back. It's Rochester Today. Tom Ostrom's here. I'm Andy Brownell. Tom, what do you want to what do you want to start with for Minnesota News? Sheila Qualls uh, is an Alpha News uh, journalist and an award winner. And she appeared, uh, and that's a Minnesota uh, outlet, and she appeared on a podcast with Jason Whitlock. Uh, She's African-American, and so is he. 
and they discussed that now viral video of toddlers, uh, young children, belligerent to police, kicking at them, uh, insulting them. And uh, it's gone viral that uh, other outlets have picked it up. And she, Sheila, she said, it's because we've taken fathers out of the home, children aren't learning respect for authority, uh, and it isn't going to be solved uh, politically. It's going to be solved till the black community gets back to the nuclear family and uh, government isn't the solution. We have to start deciding how we want a different way of life and, and fathers back home with children, an authority figure. Did you see that? Uh, I, I did, Tom. I saw the video. It made me sick to my stomach, stomach and and so sad to yeah, uh, number one, the the child was probably old enough not to require diapers, but I'm not passing judgment at that point because all kids are different. But there were older kids, teenage, it appeared to be in the background, uh, egging this this little boy on as he both, you're right, punched, kicked, and swore at the two officers who... You know, basically moved on at that point, you know, as they were trying to talk to the group of people gathered. Yeah. I, yeah, I, and I feel so horrible for that child that if that is the level of supervision that he gets, um, what his future might be. And a friend and a friend of, of mine who watched that entire video said that the that the officers maintained uh, their calm and their dignity uh, and their reactions uh, magnificently as law enforcement officers so often do and they were also being taunted by the older juveniles that were part of that crowd as well yeah it is uh i don't know how many generations uh will be lost to this that there are government policies, you and I have talked about this before, there are government policies put in place with good intentions that have had the effect of discouraging the continuation of the nuclear family. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that some single parents don't do a fantastic job, because they do. Sure. Mm-hmm. But there are others, it's too overwhelming for them. Mm-hmm. And I... And it's one of those multi-generational things, too. If this was the way you were raised, this is your expectation for the future, you're likely to repeat it. And uh, it's it's a sad situation. Everybody involved in it is, is, in some ways, a victim. And uh, as good as a conscientious single parent might be, uh, it's peer group pressure in those neighborhoods on these youngsters uh, with other people who don't respect police. And there's too high an incident in that community of people resisting uh, police, resisting arrest. And and some of the uh, 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 officials are making it easier for them to resist arrest. In New York, uh, uh, they say, well, don't, uh, police shouldn't chase someone on foot and don't bother with traffic offenses. Um, and... Uh, and don't try to stop a car with expired uh, tags. So I think the the uh, 
the criminals in those communities are saying, hey, hey, and then if we speed, they won't chase us because there's a danger there. Uh, I don't know what uh, the immediate solution is. I don't know either, Tom. I and mean, I also need to emphasize that this is also a growing issue outside of the African-American community as well. Our nation as a whole, the number of births to single mothers uh, continues to grow every year. And not all demographic groups, but among white, the white population especially, it's been growing very, very quickly over the last 20 years. And the same issues arise uh, as far as the children in some of these families of um, being future offenders and ending up in jail or mm-hmm. prison, doing poorly in school, um, uh, a lack of a really robust future. And, and once again, that's not a blanket thing because there are quite a few people who have been raised in single parent households who have thrived because the extraordinary quality of the parent who, who raised that child. Mm-hmm. And the officer uh, Potter in uh, the George Floyd incident both involved uh, perpetrators who resisted arrest. That's often where the trouble starts. And uh, police, I'm, I'm sure, are have to be trained. And but it almost looks like police have to use immediate and thorough force uh, to subdue people before something happens and make sure they have control of them. Or else, uh, as some police might try to do or have to do, uh, ignore the issue. So. Uh, but it starts at home, even uh, there. There's a editorial in the latest Wall Street Journal about the effects of um, the pursuit of social justice in our largest cities of the land, and particularly the pursuit of, quote-unquote, social justice when it comes to the uh, justice and correction systems, Um that some of the policies that you would term woke that have been put in place and you just mentioned uh, have created a level of lawlessness in some of our largest cities. And we've seen it in Minnesota as well, obviously, in Minneapolis. And that uh, it took pains to point out in this editorial that the by far the the people being victimized by this surge in violence that this editorial writer directly related to these policies are supposedly the very same people these people are professing that the policies will somehow benefit. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that reminds me, I I read an article uh, and it it was a, a, a legal description and, uh, the Minneapolis police officer uh, Chauvin was was uh, charged with murder, and he's now in prison. Uh, uh, but this this document said Chauvin uh, put his knee uh, on George Floyd's neck as George Floyd was dying. Now I had never seen that admission before. I I think the narcotics in his system are what killed him. But as he lay dying, well, if he was uh, lay dying, did Chauvin kill him? And wouldn't he have died anyway? 
Well, the jury's decided that one, Tom. <laughs> yeah. It's water under the bridge, as they say. Well, it is, but it's just, again, the difficulty of police work. And then I'd read this once about that incident that uh, uh, the, the uh, ambulance crew was there quite rapidly, but they sensed a hostile crowd or a crowd getting uh, agitated and one other officer was there trying to calm them down. And so the ambulance drove away. Uh, oh, I hadn't I heard had, that. I hadn't either. I had but heard that the, after Mr. Floyd was put in the ambulance, he was driven to another location where they attempted the life-saving measures rather than stay in that location. Okay, but I had well, not heard an ambulance drove away. Yeah. Well, well Tom, different, different news accounts. Yeah, we do have to take a break for news already. We <laughs> we got focused there. So uh, we'll stop and take a break for news. We will return after the news break with more of Rochester Today with Tom Ostrom. I'm Andy Brownell on Rochester's News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. My name is Sheila Pappas, me and my husband. On this Thursday morning, Tom Ostrom's here. Um, Tom, I got a chance to watch a little bit of it and I read a bit about it, but the January 6th committee met again yesterday. And you know, it was billed. This is the this is the big hearing where we're going to connect uh, the president with the fringe groups that committed the acts of violence, or largely committed the acts of violence at the U.S. Capitol on January sixth. And it really, I I didn't really hear anything new. Um, the I guess what the argument is from the members of the committee was that when Trump sent out a tweet about be sure to be at the rally on January 6th, it will be wild that that was the signal for these groups, the um, Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys and somebody else, that that was code for mobilize, let's go, we're going to have the revolution. But they failed, in my view at least, to prove that that was the intent of Trump's tweet. A lot of people got that same tweet and came to the Capitol with no idea of a riot or attack on the U.S. Capitol that would chase our elected representatives into secure rooms in the basement. But there were within that group, obviously, some people with that intent. So I, I don't know if it gets anywhere, but it, it certainly doesn't help Trump if he's planning to run for president in 2024 because some of the testimony about the meeting where the one aide described the White House room as unhinged the, uh, with uh, the lawyers there, uh, Giuliani and the other, uh, I'm drawing a blank as usual, but... I don't think there was enough there to argue that there was a a criminal charge would be warranted because usually criminal charge charges require intent and you'd have to improve uh, you'd have to prove that Donald Trump intended for that to occur when he sent out that tweet and I, I to me I didn't see it that's all I, I I think it made the former president look bad. Um, but do point out that some of the members of the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys who testified were not cross-examined. Uh, their credibility is pretty thin, in my view. Um, and we also have the disputed accounts about whether or not this business in 
the Secret Service SUV actually occurred, uh, according to that one aide that she had heard that Trump had tried to grab the wheel and more or less scuffled with a Secret Service officer in the vehicle. But then now you've almost immediately heard from people within the Secret Service that that did not happen, and they would gladly testify under oath that it did not happen. But, of course, the way this hearing is going, they'll never be called to testify. So... We just keep going on. Sure. And and uh, I'd read where the FBI uh, had uh, had concluded that Proud Boys did not commit violence uh, and they didn't intend to. Um, and an FBI informant gave them that information and that that was forwarded to the committee. Uh, and and uh, Cheney did not introduce it into the record. So. Uh, yeah, but it all does make Trump look bad, and it's tiresome. People are tired of it. I think it is eroding uh, uh, even Republican faith in him, although most Republicans say if he's on the ticket, they'll vote for him. But uh, you wonder uh, how this will end. Well, that goes back to the whole thing in the 2020 election as well, I think. Um, <laughs> if people would ask, I quite a few of my friends and acquaintances at least were Trump supporters. I don't know if they still are. Um, I'd have to ask him straight up front, and you know what? I don't really feel like that. But presented with the choice of Biden or Trump, if you were to redo it today, even knowing what they know today, I would guess that they would still vote for Trump because in their view, the choice of Biden would be worse despite what we know about the former president's behavior concerning January 6th. So I, I don't think it makes, as far as the elections coming up, I don't think it's going to make any difference. Yeah, uh, but people are are just tired of it, and I, and some people think if Trump gets back in, it's just going to reignite, and all these forces will That's be true. against him, and and it's just uh, people are getting tired, even though Trump was right about so many things. But the demeanor issue, uh, Hunter Biden, uh, by the president, put him out at a. A special public event the other day to make him look normal, I guess. And he, was, Hunter, was carrying his little child and all that. But the, uh, but Biden is going soft on China again. He's giving China oil, and uh, and some of that went to a company that had paid uh, allegedly paid uh, Hunter Biden off. And uh, Biden hasn't pressed China on COVID origins. Uh, he suspended tariffs on China solar panels that Trump had uh, favored um, and he's contemplating evidently lifting Trump tariffs against Chinese imports and and uh, and it's and these concessions are, are pro-China while his own FBI director points out the dangers that China poses to America and uh, Joe is soft on China I don't know if the He's protecting China money or just thinks he can mellow China out. Uh, Franklin Roosevelt thought that, too, with his charm, he could mellow out Joe Stalin and stop Joe from advancing in Europe. Well, that didn't work. But Joe seems, uh, uh, I think, uh, committed for some reason positively to China. And it's, I think it's, uh, at least in my view, clearly um, viewable that since this administration began, Xi and China has moved further towards dictatorship 
and has well, the country has become a lot less free than it was. You could add the pandemic to that, but um, he's consolidated power. He's consolidated industries. He's exposed um, far more faith in the communist economic system than previous Chinese leaders have uh, and uh, has backed away from the market reforms that were creating so much wealth in China. So uh, I, I think you could argue whatever policies he has pursued and whatever actions he's taken have not worked as far as bringing the U.S. and China closer. No, no. And we're reading that Hispanic voters uh, are, are voting for conservatives and Republicans because that's what their value, where those values lie. And and the Democrats seem to be losing another group, uh, Asian-American voters who are on a per capita basis just about the most successful ethnic group. And, and the uh, Asian-American voters are furious over the attacks on them in public, physical attacks. They don't like the uh, progressive policies. I'm, I'm reading uh, the transcript of a Fox interview with two prominent Chinese, and they said uh, they, they are discriminated against in college admissions because they're successful. They, they score too well and are overpopulating the elite colleges. They don't like the crime. They don't like gender ideology. Uh, they're family values people, and, uh, and, and two prominent Chinese, one female and one male, uh, told Fox that uh, the Democrats have abandoned us. They punish us. They don't support us. Uh, our values are not theirs. Uh, theirs are not ours, and they're voting increasingly Republican. Uh, so if if that's true, uh, if things look pretty good for the Republicans in the next two big elections. I read a New York Times poll that more or less reflected what you just said, Tom. It showed that more and more the Democrats are popular among college-educated women. College-educated men are more or less, they're a little bit on the Democrat side, but the the margin is nowhere near as big as it is when it comes to college-educated women. Um, the Republicans have uh, huge advantages in rural areas of the United States um, amongst people who are not college-educated, and um, as you pointed out, that the big advantages that the Democrats had in the Hispanic population of the United States is evaporating at a rather quick pace. This was the New York Times. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, people are tired of it and they're tired of uh, the wokery uh, in, uh, in, in the schools. This took place, Andy. Uh, the National Education Associations had a conference underway in Chicago and their leaders must be out of step with an awful lot of teachers because I can't believe most teachers agree with these things, but they, they can be intimidated by the union or group uh, pressure. But the National Education Association at its conference is calling for a national policy, Andy, of mandatory masking, mandatory vaccinations. They want to get back into that control element and they have rejected officially the terms mother 
and father. <laughs> and then, <sighs> concerned with academic standards or with teaching people substantive knowledge, it's this it's this kind of stuff that uh, the union leadership uh, uh, favors. And I, I just can't believe most teachers, uh, dedicated as most of them are, uh, uh, like this stuff, but uh, they're afraid to speak up. But even the medical profession uh, is reluctant to speak up on wokery with gender change and everything. But uh, gosh, uh, uh, when will this end? I don't know, Tom. The one that the one that really gets me though is the people who give birth. Instead of referring them to them as mothers or women, pregnant women, they're they're people who give birth, as if okay. Uh, I, I would challenge you to provide any significant examples of people who give birth who are not uh, uh, women or mothers. What was that movie that was out dozens of years ago with uh, Billy Crystal where he uh, somehow got pregnant through some sort of experimentation? Mm. I cannot remember. Too long ago. If you look at the polls, Tom, I, I, I think you're correct. I think there is a growing resentment and resistance to this that people think it has gone too far. And I think when it started out, I think there was a sense of accommodation that the intent behind this uh, was positive to try to make people who are out of the mainstream feel more welcome. But I think there is now a sense that it's gotten to the point of silliness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we better take a break again. Oh, okay. Unless you have one more thing you want to cover quickly. Well, a retired general's under trouble uh, for insulting Jill Biden. Uh, He's in the private defense industry now. But uh, Jill Biden gave a speech uh, on on how the road decision hurts women. And and so, uh, uh, you know, so so, uh, General uh, Valesky is his name, tweeted out, well, at least the first lady knows evidently what a woman is. Uh, okay, so the military hierarchy has suspended him. He has a job in this defense industry. He's retired, but they can call people back to duty if they want. And they suspended him. They they interceded and got him fired from that job for insulting the first lady. So there you have military carrying out the Biden politics and favoritism that uh, he couldn't even joke about the first lady. And he's retired. Yeah. But they still had the power to take his defense job with, uh, away from him. They said that he's been suspended from the defense job. I suppose there's some national security issues yeah, when can. you have those jobs, but still. Okay, we'll go to our break with that uh, little message. How's that, Tom? We'll be back in a moment with more of Rochester Today on Rochester's News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Family Service Rochester Mental Health with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Welcome back to Rochester Today. Tom Ostrom, what do you have for us next? Well, we already talked about this, but... uh, the British uh, MI5 intelligence and the FBI have warned of in public in speeches at a conference of the threat China poses uh, to the United States uh, economically and in national security, everything else. Um, and I find that interesting because as Biden seems to cater to China 
uh, even FBI Director Ray uh, is backing off from China. Uh, mm-hmm. well, I read an article that, and I don't know if the United States is doing this yet, but there's discussion at least, I think it was the G7, pursuing infrastructure aid to some of uh, Africa and parts of Central America and South America to counter the influence that the Chinese have gained through their use of um, providing capital for these infrastructure projects. We've talked about that before, how it's a bait and hook situation. At least that's what some analysts say, that the Chinese will pump in a certain amount of capital and then begin withholding it once the indebted nations cannot make the payments and then therefore Mm. to get the money running again, obviously the Chinese government gaining great influence within those governments to avoid a economic disaster. And I, I think that, well, I mean, people always argue foreign aid, foreign aid, foreign aid, but if you're looking at this type of growing conflict, that might be an efficient way to counter what the Chinese are doing because I'm pretty sure I would hope that uh, the West would not attach the same sort of strings and try to gain influence in a more benign way by actually providing the assistance rather than a what some people say is a nefarious plan all along. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, that front too has got to be pursued, and I think it's uh, it, it won't end there. And those uh, Dutch farmers that are stirring things up in Holland and blocking freeways and hundreds of tractors are intruding uh, on the highway space. Uh, A police officer actually fired at one of those tractors and the farmer got out and said, what are you trying to do, kill me? And it reminded me of Prime Minister Trudeau in Canada, how brutal he was with the truckers. Uh, Evidently, the left likes demonstrations and, and riots when it caters to their views, but they didn't like the Canadian truckers and the police in the Netherlands don't like these farmers. And uh, and the green movement is collapsing there. And it even collapsed in Sri Lanka. That's an island nation, Muslims off the southeast coast of, uh, of India. They revolted against their uh, government and overthrew the, their leadership. They uh, went into the palace and they uh, uh, recreated in the pools and everything else and they wouldn't let uh, some high officials uh, nor would the airlines let the higher officials escape to other countries and so uh, Sri Lanka is uh, protesting too the, the green revolution that's destroying their economy and their livelihood and their successful agricultural output so the green uh, movement is running into trouble in some places but I think uh, time in Europe I think in Europe, especially if we have a they have a cold winter and they're facing fuel shortages due to the Ukraine war and Russians, uh, the Russian response to whatever sanctions are still in place. uh, I think you could see unrest spread across Europe over the winter. Um, Yes, keep an eye on that. It it is. uh... Uh, Britain and uh, in Germany uh, are, are rebelling against uh, some of that uh, green policy. So the leftists who like this control are running into trouble. I don't know if it'll extend to the battery usages that you and I have talked about and 
other things too but uh, there's resistance uh, and it's global it seems all right tom we unfortunately are out of time i'm wishing we had more time but we'll have to talk again on tuesday of next week you enjoy the weekend and thank you very much oh andrew it's a pleasure thank you all right that's tom ostrom i'm andy brownell on rochester today today news talk 1340 kroc am and 96.9 f if you're in hr you're probably wearing a lot of hats